So today we're going to learn a sicha on the subject of teshuva. Partic- more particularly, it's a subject on the section of teshuva, of repentance, returning to Hashem, getting closer to Hashem. And it's on the section in the Tanya called Igeras Hatshuva. The Tanya has five sections to it. The third section has 12 chapters called Igeret Hatshuva. Now, in the year 1969, they published the commentary of the Rebbe's father that he wrote on the Tanya. He only wrote that we have is 13 comments that he had on the Tanya that he wrote on the margin of the Tanya while he was in exile in his imprisonment to exile from 1939 to 1944. So while he was there, he wrote, he had didn't have paper, didn't have enough, he had barely just a margin of the books, that a few books that he had, the Zohar and the Tanya. And with the help of his wife, he was able to, she made some ink and he was able to write, but he had to keep his words to very, very concise and straight to the point. So you're going to see that the Rebbe takes apart the words that his father says and shows us how the depth of the words that he chooses to write actually in there lies great depth and you can learn from it amazing things. In 1969, the Rebbe started on a weekly or on a, a every single Fabrengen that happened those days. For the next almost two years, he did two years of cycles going through the different chapters to talk about the different insights on the ideas that the Rebbe brings in the Tanya in the section of Tshuva. And in 1979, they published five talks on this Kabbalistic works of his father. And then in 1990 90 and 91, end of 1990 and 91, another 10 publications came out of the works that the Rebbe taught. There is no other section in the Torah or in the Tanya or anywhere that the Rebbe went through with such detail in such a like order week after week or Fabrengen after Fabrengen. It's brought down as another uh, small introduction. The Rebbe once said that talking about, especially the subject that he's going to talk about from chapter 3 in that section of Tanya, which we're going to talk about, that has to deal, that deals with the spilling of one's seed, of what the punishment is, what the consequence, and what the ramification, the repentance process for this is. And he said by learning these chapters alone, that alone is a atonement for it. I once heard and I want to share this thought that I once heard that it's brought down in Sfarim that if you participate at a Pidyon Haben, which is the ceremony of the redeeming of a firstborn son at the 31st day, so if you participate in a Pidyon Haben ceremony and you eat some food from there, it's a repentance for the sin of spilling the seed and it does, it accomplishes what the atonements that are needed for that sin. 
So it's interesting, this point, person pointed out to me, that the Alter Rebbe doesn't bring down that idea to join a Pidyon Aben and have a meal and it repents there. It seems like the Alter Rebbe is taking the, the, the angle that a Jew has to work on himself. Nothing comes easy. Having an easy meal, <laughs> that's an easy thing. But when it comes to repentance or something, we have to do a lot of work. Now, in order to appreciate this talk from the Rebbe on this subject and to appreciate his father's um, anecdote or, or comment to this, I want to give you a brief uh, summary of the third chapter of the section of Teshuvah. And that is the following. When a person purposely uh, spills their seed, so Dr. Rebbe brings down that in general, by when a person does a sin, what happens if you do the same sin many times? Okay, whatever example sin you want to you, you want to bring, you can bring to the table. But there's always uh, a repentance that has to go on for it. Um, for example, in chapter two, the Alter Rebbe brought down that there's a, a a from the Arizal who expounds from the Kabbalah. That about three different sins of how many fast days a person needs to fast to rectify certain sins. And he brings the example of a person who loses their temper and they get angry. So according, that Arizal brings down from the Kabbalah that to fix the sin of anger, you have to fast 151 fast days. For the sin of violating a rabbinical instituted law, for example, that you're not allowed to drink wine that's not kosher wine, the repentance for that is 73 fast days. For, um, for, for violating the, a, a, a positive mitzvah from the sages, for example, violating the, the mitzvah to pray, to pray every day, you would have to fast 61 fast days. So you see that there's a whole concept, but that's ideas he brings in chapter 2. In chapter 3, he gives the rationale to the argument of how many fasts you would have to do if you do that same sin multiple times. One opinion of the sages is that if you did a sin multiple times, let's say you did one same sin 10 times or 20 times, you would have to fast that amount of fast days 10 or 20 times. For example, a, and Alter Rebbe brings down the example, a person who spills their seed, you have to fast 84 fast days. So if you did that same sin 10 times or 20 times, you would have to fast 10 times 84 or 20 times 84 and so on. That's a lot of fast days. Why? What's the rationale? So he brings from the Talmud, that in the tractate in the Talmud of uh, of Zvachim, over there it says that you could compare a sin to a sin offering. And just like in temple times, every time you did a sin, you would have to bring one sin offering or whatever amount of sin offerings. So too, if we do it by fasting, since the temple is not here, you have to fast. So you have to do that same repentance that many times. Just like in temple times, you'd bring an animal that many animals. Then he brings another view. That sins are compared to the offering called a carbon ola. That's an offering that you bring one for no matter how many times you did the same sin. So if you did the same sin 10 times or 20 times, you'd bring only one offering for all of it. Then he brings a third view. 
And the third view is, instead of doing either the same amount of fast days for each, each sin so many times, or one time fast for all of them, he says that there's an opinion to say that you should do three times the fast amount of fastings. So if you have to do three times 84, you would do 252 fast days. And once you do it three times, assume we're going to learn the rationale to that opinion. Al-Tareb also brings down in chapter 3 that nowadays it's not like in the days of the Talmud where people are bought, where their bodies were stronger and they were able to fast multiple days, no problem. Nowadays we're weaker and if you fast, you won't be able to learn properly. So you'll actually be doing a double problem so you shouldn't do that anymore. What should you do? You should give tzedakah. Every person has to give according to their means for tzedakah to rectify for a sin and usually what you give is you give it brings down different halacha places, but the point is that you have to bring at least, you pay charity for what it would cost you for the food that you would eat that day. So for example, if it was $18, or the times that the, the halacha was written, it was uh, 18 uh, big Polish kind of coins, or Polish coins, whatever that measurement is, so you have to give that three times that amount, or for each fast day, you have to give that amount. And then he shows you also in the same chapter that even though you don't have, you shouldn't be fasting because it could make you weaker and you won't be able to serve Hashem properly. So if you are a bal nefesh and you want to go the extra mile, then how would you do your fast? You would, you could break it up, and you could do in winter days, which are shorter. And you could also do some fast days, do a half days. Two half days could be counted together. So do two half winter days and it's counted as one day. And like this, you could finish it up over nine or ten years. So this is pretty much in, in summation. He also says that you shouldn't, uh, a person's not supposed to give charity more than 20% of your net earnings. Nevertheless, he brings down that if, for medicine, for your body, you would pay and out, you would spend who knows what kind of money, almost without limitation, basically to save your life physically for medical bills, whatever it is, how much more so when it comes to your soul, if it's about redeeming your soul from a sin, then there's no limitation to the 20% cap on charity. So depending, I remember I knew a guy that he had a, a kidney problem. And, uh, you know, there was only so much they were able to do here. And he ended up flying to another country where it was easier for him to get it. And I remember he took a big mortgage, a hundred or $200,000 out to be able to uh, do a kidney transplant. You see that it's a normal thing for to save your life. You would dish out and find and borrow and who knows what, you know, to make that work. So this is the general idea of this chapter 3. Now let's get to the actual Sicha. Again, it's on Egeris at Shuvah, the section of Tshuva, and it's, the, on, and it's the first of the five that are printed in volume 19. Over here, the Rebbe begins like this. He started to talk about this on the 20th of Av, which is the actual yard site of his father. Now it's interesting that his 20th of Av, the yard site of his father, who passed away, like I said, in 1944 in Alma Atah, by uh, coming from his exile. And over there, and the 20th of Av is exactly 40 days before Rosh Hashanah. And there's a lot of things of starting repentance already from then. So we're going to learn now the first comment that his father mentions on Igeris HaTshuva. In the section of Igeris HaTshuva, the Altar Rebbe brings down the opinion 
that if a person did a sin many times, you have to fast that amount of number of times for the amount of times that you did a sin. Now the Alter Rebbe says, the analogy he says is, for example, if you did it, sorry, in this first scenario, no matter how many times you did it, you have to fast that amount of fasts. And then the Alter Rebbe says, for example, a person who spills their semen, wastes their semen, so the number of fasts that you have to fast with such a fast is 84 fast days. And if you did this sin, this sin 10 times or 20 times, for example, you have to fast 10 or 20 times 84 fast days. And then he concludes, And so too, it would be no matter how many times you, you did the sin, you would have to fast that many times, 84 fasts. That's the first opinion. Now, this, this example of picking a sin, which sin did he pick? The spilling of the seed. The, 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 and he says the example of 10 or 20 times doing this. So the Rebbe's father writes in his comments on the Tanya that the Alter Rebbe picked for an example 10 or 20 times to tell you that what kind of sin are we talking about here? We're talking about a sin that has to do with your wisdom and your brain. Right? It's a sin of, from, from your brain. The Chachma, it's the wisdom. Like the Alter Rebbe says later on in in the later in chapter 9, he brings down that it's a poi game. It's a deficiency that's caused in the brain. When you say the brain, what do you mean when you say a deficiency, something that you affected something in the brain? What we mean, whenever you generalize the brain, we mean the level of chokhmah, wisdom. Now, therefore, says his father, 20 10 or 20 times is because the letter in Hebrew that represents the idea of wisdom chachma is the letter Yud. Because what is chachma? Chachma means the way a whole idea of intellect is condensed into one point. That's what it means, wisdom. Understanding, Bina, means where you elaborate on it and you expound on it. So chachma is when it's all in one point, which is what? The letter Yud. So whenever you see the letter Yud, Yud represents chachma. Now, the letter Yud is 10. And if you spell out the letter Yud, right? In English, you would do what? Yud, Y-U-D, right? But in Hebrew, Yud, Vav, Dalet. Yud equals 10. Vav is 6 and Dalet is 4. So to spell out the letter Yud equals 20. Says the Rebbe's father. That's actually why the Alter Rebbe writes 10 or 20 times because he's trying to hint to you this whole idea that this sin has to do with Chachma. And Chachma is represented by the letter Yud. And Yud, whether you pronounce it or write it, it's going to end up 10 or 20. Fascinating point. So that's what his father writes. Now the Rebbe asks a question. This idea that the Rebbe says that we're talking about the opinion that says you have to fast many times that amount of sins is connected really to all sins or any sin. And when you say the spilling of a seed, the wasting of a seed, that's only an example. He brings the example that's of that sin. He says kigoyin, which means lamashal, for example. So why was it important for my father 
to explain to you this particular sin. Dr. Ebb is only bringing it as an analogy. It doesn't mean just this sin. He means any sins. So why did the Rebbe's father, he's asking a question on his father, why did he have to elaborate on this, on this a point about this particular sin? Dr. Rebbe is only bringing it as an example. And then he says we could ask the question even more, even stronger we could ask this question. When you're, you're trying to explain the Alter Rebbe's words, why he said 10 or 20 times, not why he said this particular number, but you could say maybe that since he gave, uh, since he had to give an, you know, an example of a number, so he picked a number that's fitting for a certain sin. And he brings for an example the sin of spilling, spilling the seed. But the question is, a specific number is, is seemingly extra. Even if Dr. Rebbe would have said that you have to fast to 84 times for every time you do the sin. Without saying what the number is, 10 or 20 times. It would, nothing would be missing here from the content. We could have just had, in other words, now he's asking a question on the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe said, for example, to 84 fasts, if you do it 10 or 20 times, you would have to fast 10 or 20 times, 84. But he says, why did the Alter Rebbe have to say a number? He could have just said 84 for every time you do it. So how could we say that the Alter Rebbe says a number as an example, which technically didn't have to say the example at all? You're saying he said the example to tell you about what the deficiency is of this spilling the seed, that it's a sin in the brain. It's a specific thing of chachma. And that's only an example. So why do I have to, why did Dr. Ebb have to bring it down? Why did my father have to explain just those words? It's all about just an example. An example, you don't have to explain the example of why, what, you don't have to get that deep here, right? So that's his question. Now, similar to this question, we could also ask, why did Dr. Rebbe have to say a specific number? That's what his father explained, right? Because the Yud is Chachma and the Yud how you, is 10. And if you spell out the Yud, Yud Vav Dalet, it's 20, right? Why did Dr. Rebbe have to bring an analogy at all for a specific thing? Dr. Rebbe could have just said, or if he would have just said, whoever does a sin, one time, this is a, you have a number of fasts to do, and if you do that fast many times, any whatever sin it is, you have to fast many times that, without giving any example of what the sin is. Why did Doctor Eva have to say, for example, the spilling of a seed? What? Why, why are you picking any example? Why this one? Also, you could ask another question: Is after he says, if you did the sin ten or twenty times, for example, right? We just said. You have to fast 10 or 20 times, 84. Then Dr. Rebbe says, And so too, it would be forever. In other words, no matter what you, no matter how many times you did it, even many more times than 20, you would have to do that amount of times. Why do you have to say that? Why would I think, would I, why would I think, or would you think, that it's only up to 20 times, more than 20, not, then it's a different story. Why would I think that? Why does Alter Rebbe have to say, if you did this in 10 or 20 times or many more times, why does he have to add the word many more? Would I think that it's only 10 or 20 and that's it? The cap stops there. You only have to fast that amount of fast for 10 or 20 times. Now, in this note, in this note, 
from from his father, he explains in a in a parentheses another point about about this section of Egeres Hatshuva. In the same chapter there, meaning in chapter three of this Tshuva section, Dr. Rebbe writes that whoever is more of a scrupulous kind of person, you're called a Baal Nefesh, you're much more, you know, you take your relationship with Hashem even much more, much deeper. You should be careful, you should be machmer, you should be yachmer alatzma, you should be, uh, you should undertake to complete at least one time in your life the amount of times of a fasting number for every sin that you do. At least for the ones that you're punishable by death. In other words, that kind of level of kind of sins. So let's call them cardinal sins, you know? Sins that are punishable by death. That kind of level sins. Even if you would, not punishable by death by a court, but if even punishable by heavens, by heaven. For example, and then Dr. Rebbe says, if for example, spilling of one seed. Again, he mentioned this. He's, he's repeating again the same idea. That if you're a bal nefesh, you're more of a scrupulous person, you should do this at least once in your life, fast that amount of time, fast. For example, the spilling of a seed, 84 fast, you should do that at least once in your life. And then the Alter Rebbe says, you could postpone it to winter days and do 10 winter days every year, for example. Around 10 to 10, you know, and you could do it, for example, in a one winter, do, do to, to 10 half days. He breaks it down how to get it done at least once in your life if you're more of a scrupulous person. So, on these words, and Dr. Rebbe says for this scrupulous person that I like 10 fasts. In other words, if you did this sin like 10 times, you should, you know, do it fast that many times. So that so the Rebbe's father says over here also in apprentices. So too here when the Rebbe says ten, it's because ten is the number of the letter Yud. As we explained before, Yud represents Chachma, which is the representation of your brain. So there and since this sin of spilling a seed affects the spirituality of the brain. Soon we're going to see that it's not just a spirituality component also, but we'll soon see that. But that's why Yalta Rebbe chooses the example number of 10 because it represents Yud, which is Chachma. So over here we could even ask another question on what his father doesn't even ask. In other words, what the Rebbe's father doesn't point out. Why does Yalta Rebbe again have to say an example? For example, the spilling of a seed. Why does he have to mention the example? Another thing we have to understand, since the letter Yud is connected, not just with the number 10, but it's also connected with the number 20, as we said before. We said before, if you spell out Yud, Yud Vav Dalid, how it's pronounced, Yud Vav Dalid, right? Like in English, again, you would do Y-U-D. So Yud in Hebrew is Yud Vav Dalid, which tells, takes you to 20. What's the reason, at least internally, spiritually, what's the reason that by mentioning about doing this process of fastings in the winter, he only says the number 10, not 20? I get it that 10 is because it's a letter Yud, which is Chachma, which is the defect place. But why does he say only 10 and not 10 or 20? 
in the first time he mentioned about this sin, he said, for example, if you do the spilling of the seed 10 or 20 times. Here he says only 10. Why didn't he say 10 or 20? Now, the Rebbe brings in a footnote that maybe you could, if, if you want to say that the reason why the Alter Rebbe brings this example of spilling of a seed because it's from one of the worst and harshest sins that exist, because punishment is by death, and also because this sin is really unfortunate, but it's found amongst people a lot, well, this question, what he's really asking is, why did he have to bring any example? I understand that you're telling me that's why he brought that example, because it's such a you know, serious uh, offense. But why any example? You're telling me, why this one? Because it's more, it's more harsh. But why any example? Now, now the Rebbe goes, before he goes to the explanation, he wants to show us a little bit about understanding the style of his father's works. Is choosing of, of, of work. So he says like this that it's no, it's knowing it's knowing that when his father writes a comment on the Zohar or on the Tanya for many reasons, it could be because they didn't have paper or didn't have ink. He wrote his commentary super super short, called in Hebrew Bekitsur Nimratz. Like, like, so, like, just to the point, that's it. And when you delve into what he writes with a proper concentration, you could see that in the words that he writes, he's actually helping you to get the clues and the answers to many questions. Even in other places, it will help you understand Torah ideas. In other words, in addition to the point of what he's explaining, where he's explaining it, it helps us to understand ideas even elsewhere. Even though in most of his commentary, he, he uh, emphasizes you know, choice of words and, and being preciseness in, in letters and words and so on. But we find that many, many times, especially when you think about it properly, that through those few comments that he says, Many general ideas get explained for other areas. And so too, we're going to see in our subject here. Even though in a revealed way, he only explains these, these very few, few little words here. On the word 10 and 20, he pointed out that it's yud, the way it's written, the way it's spelled. Right? And that, that's all he says here. But through this, we're going to be able to understand many more ideas we're going to be able to understand why the Alter Rebbe had all brought an analogy of, of any sin, why he picked this sin about the spilling of the seed, why the Alter Rebbe even gave an analogy of the number 10 and 20, why the Alter Rebbe said the first time, and, and so on, more than 20, are all going to get answered from this very small comment that his father said. And even more, through this note, we're going to understand general's ideas and the reason why you have to fast this number of fasts and also the reason why a Baal Nefesh, a scrupulous Jew, should undertake with himself to at least once in his lifetime fast these 84 fasts three times. As we're going to soon see. So he says like this, let's understand. 
when there's this pagam, there's this defect that happens through a sin, and the repentance process, which is the most important, the fixing of this of this sin, the tshuva part, we could break this all down into three components. Number one, what happens when a person does a sin? The first thing that happens when you do a sin is you are in a category called a pyrrhic oil. Pyrrhic oil is take, words taken from the Talmud, which basically means you throw off the yoke. Like an animal, right? That has this, the yoke around, around his neck and you toss, tosses it off. Doesn't want anybody, you know, digging into his neck, choking him, telling him what to do. So this is the term that we use in our relationship with Hashem. Are you a Kabbalah Selnik? Do you accept the yoke just because this is what Hashem wants? Or are you a Peirikel? You throw off the yoke. So the first thing happens when a person does a sin, and every sin, you're basically violating the commandment of the king of all kings of Hashem, right? Which basically the point is that in this area of throwing off the yoke, that I'm not listening to you, God, that's a common denominator, common denominator for all sins equal. Because what's the difference if it's a small sin or a big sin? <laughs> Doesn't matter. The bottom line is I'm not listening to you, God. It's not about the size of the severity of what the commandment is. If you throw off the yoke, then that's it. All, all, all sins are equal. What happens in that level of throwing off the yoke? You're simply called a Russia. That's the term that the Talmud calls us. Halacha calls a person, that's a Russia. You throw off the yoke, you don't listen to the king, so that's it, you're, you're a rebellion. You're wicked, you're, 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 you're not listening. Now, what's the rectification for this? How do you fix this, that I threw off the yoke? Very simple. You have to leave the path of the sin, and make a serious decision in your heart that you're not going to ever do this again. That's, that's the words of the way the Maimonides puts it. Or like the author ever put it. He said that you have to make a serious um, commitment in your heart with a full heart, complete heart, not to go back to those foolish ways of rebelling against the king. And you make this resolution in your heart never to do this again. And the way that the, the Chiddush, uh, the novelty here of Dr. Rebbe's wording is, is not that I'm not going to do this sin. You say I'm not going to do any sin because I don't want to do something that's against the will of Hashem. Now, when you, a person makes that resolution, you automatically, right away, you're not called a Russia anymore. You're out of the category of Russia because a Russia means that I threw the yoke off. Now that I accept again to do whatever the king wants, so now you're not a Russia anymore. And... To become non-Russia, it could take one moment. As it's ruled in, in the Psaktin, in, in Jewish law, the conclusion is, in the Gemara, and in many authorities of Lach, all authorities say, that through one moment of feeling of Teshuvah, you become out, out of the category of a Russia to a Tzadik Amr. Just to you know, use an example, by the way, about a moment in a heart 
one second in your heart, you repent, you're already good. You know, they say a story about a guy who jumps off a bridge. Yeah. A person that says, that's it, I'm done, I don't want to live anymore, I'm jumping off a bridge. What do you do with that body? Do you say this person is a Russia, he, he, he killed himself, suicide? Or do you, so, do you say, maybe he's not a Russia? How could you, on what grounds could you say that he's not a Russia? Very simple. When he was flying down from the bridge to the water, if he had a moment of regret, that means he's not a Russia anymore. Yes, unfortunately, it could be a situation where you can't backtrack that, but in terms of the actual death. But if he had that moment of regret, which, by the way, we always take the benefit of the doubt when a person says they committed suicide, you have to take, you have to go with that because. The, my point here is just one thing, this point, that a hero tshuva, a moment of a feeling of sincere truth to repentance, takes you out of the category of a Russia. So the first level of a sin is that you took off the yoke, and the first level of repentance is, I take back, I want to do, I make this full heart, complete decision that I'm back in. Now, that's number one. Number two, a second idea of the sin is, that you're violating the completeness of all of your body, of your whole soul. In other words, let's say you're a complete body. You're a perfect person. There's nothing wrong with you, right? If you take off one piece of your body, a finger or whatever, right? Your entire body feels it and is not complete. That means by violating one sin, you actually affected all the limbs of everything else. That means in every single limb, there's missing something. That means no limb is complete now because it's only complete with the whole picture. With the, let's use the example of a body. Right? If a person's missing one part of his body, you can't say on this person that they're perfect. By the way, this could make a difference in the times of the temple. If you're a defected Kohen, you couldn't work in the temple. Right? There's certain times you have to be perfect. The value of a person, if they sold a person on the marketplace, I mean, many examples of this, right? So how do you fix this problem for all the limbs of the body or the soul, or all the parts of the soul? You have to do something that's going to fix that area that was defected. Therefore, also the number of fasts that were established for a specific mitzvah is very relevant. It's not relevant just to that particular sin. It's relevant to all the whole picture of all the parts of your body or all the parts of your soul because it's all part of this picture. So you're fixing the completion of all the parts of you by fixing this one part of this one mitzvah that you violated. So that's the second point. The third point is since by violating one limb of your body you now in a way violated and made defected all the rest of the parts of your body that makes that all the limbs of your body really are affected in because all the parts of your body are not perfect, and now it affects also that area that caused it, 
and everything else that's involved with it. In other words, it goes both ways. Not just the particular affected the completion of everything else. The completion of everything else now is affected also by this particular. Therefore, the way of doing teshuva is not just to distance yourself from the sin itself, but you also must change your entire attitude to the good. You can't just say, oh, in this one area, I'm going to stop doing it. You know, let's say I steal. I'm going to stop stealing. But oh, everything else you could still do? There's a connection between everything else and this particular. But it also works. The repentance has to be a complete turnaround in everything. You have to become a total mensch, not just a mensch in the one thing. Now, by understanding these three components to a what happens by sin, we could appreciate now the next idea of, the, of these three components to it. The Torah is always written in general terms and in particular terms. In the general sense, what we just spoke, but even in the particular sense, you're going to see also all three examples. For ex- all three parts to this example. So, in our case, the number of fastings that was set for specific sins, which is connected to the details of the defect, the defect that we said before is also a defect we have in these three ideas. Meaning, since all the limbs are connected all together because the, a body is made up of a bunch of different parts, comes out that in every single limb you have all three things. You have the essence of this particular sin. You have the way it includes all the other limbs are included in the perfectionist with this particular one. And then you find how this sin is is in all the other limbs. So we see from here that the sin of one particular limb that could happen through one sin is actually connected to all three areas. Now this is what happens in our case that we're talking here regarding the sin of the spilling the seed. We're going to see all three elements here. When a person does a defect in the essence of that area of his body, that limb, then you become, right away on the first time you did a sin, comes out that you're a sinner. It doesn't matter at that level how many times you do a sin. Like somebody once said, a person who steals from the government doesn't make a difference if you stole $100 or $100 million. Yes, of course it makes a difference in the number and it make, the number makes a difference. And the consequence could maybe be different. But the fact is, once a person did something wrong, give you, let's use another example. You know, in, in uh, daycares and in shuls, and you know, there's always, you have directors to an organization. So part of the process is that directors and even teachers in school need to have a criminal reference check, right? If a person did one silly thing in a criminal record, got on a criminal record, that's it. You have that black stain on your record, a criminal record. Now, you, it, it could be that the criminal thing that was done, maybe 
you're willing to forgive it, or you're willing not to look at it, or maybe it's not so bad for the industry that you're in. But you can't say you're not going to get a full, clean criminal record check. So in other words, once you do a sin, it does, it's not about how many times you did that sin. For example, another example, the Rebbe brings in a footnote here. A person that becomes impure, let's say with leprosy, you can't become two times impure or five times impure. It doesn't work like that. Once you're impure, you're impure. It doesn't, it's not like, you know, 10 times impure. What does that mean? It doesn't make sense. Understand? Once your criminal record didn't come back perfect, it's not perfect. Finito. So that's the first level where once done, that's the record. It's not about how many times. Because that's talking about the essence of the person. You're now, right now at this stage, you're considered to be a sinner. You're in that category. Now, then you have another stage. You have another component that this stain has now affected your entire existence everywhere else. For that, he says, to fix the problem that happened multiple times now, but this Dr. Rebbe says, if you did a sin more than three times, you have to think of it like a stain. If you get a stain on a cloth, right? there's a small stain. And if you got the stain twice, obviously it makes a bigger difference. But three times, the stain already goes through and through. So that's a different story. Once it's there three times, three times, it goes through and through. Therefore, by the third time, this stain affected everything else that's around it. Your entire body now is affected. Therefore, he says, you should fast three times that amount of fast. The defect that happens in the other limbs, which already technically happened at the first time, you won't be able to rectify it when it's a sin. In other words, by fasting once for the sin that went through and through all the way through. Because every time you did the sin, it affected it even more. And that's why we have three opinions of the sages of how many times you have to fast for a sin. Do you fast every single time you do a sin? If it's 100 times or 10 or 20 times or more, you're going to fast that amount of fasts 10, 20 and more times. Or do you say you do one time that number of fasts and that forgives no matter how many multiple times you did it? Right? That was the second opinion. Or do you say, you know what? Let's just compromise. Do it three times like a stain that goes through and through after three times. So just fast that number of times three times and you're good. When it comes to rectifying this defect of the essence of the person, it's enough to fast the number of fasts only once. For that, that's okay. When it comes to rectifying the sin the way it's in corresponding to the rest of the body, to all the other limbs. For that, I have to fast many more times because every limb of my body got affected. And the way all the limbs are back included into this one, one sin, for that, you could just fast three times in that, that amount of fast, and it includes no matter how many times you did the sin. This is also the reason why, even though the Alter Rebbe says that the... Accepted opinion is just to fast three times that amount of fast and that 
will kind of take care of the whole thing. Nevertheless, when he says to fast three times, according to the number of fasts that you have to say, he says that the first time around, you should do full days. The second, in other words, you should be very machmer, you should be very particular about it. On time two and time three, you could break it up over a number of years, do two winter days, count them as one day. But the first time he says, be more strict. Because when it comes to the essence of the person that you're now called a pericle, you're now called the person who throws the yoke off. For that, let's fix that properly, do one full good fast. Regarding the other components that I affected the completion of the rest of my body and so on, for that, we could be a little more lenient in how you get to your number of fasts. And that's why the first time around when the Alter Rebbe says that you should fast according to the number amount of times of fast, Alter Rebbe says, for example, the spilling of a seed. Why the spilling of a seed? What is, why, why are you picking that mitzvah? Or that, or that sin? Why, why is Alter Rebbe picking that? He says, I'll tell you why. Because the Rambam writes that the more times a person spills their seed, or it doesn't say spill. He says the more times a person's seed is released, your body gets weaker and your strength gets weaker and you're actually losing life. I mean, it, you could probably rationalize this because the whole thing of the seed is that it's life. So if you're giving up a seed, you're giving up life. From here we understand that the sin of wasting this, this is much more revealed when it comes to this sin than any other. Because this is a sin that affects your entire health of your whole body. So you could see why by doing this sin more than once, you're even affecting it much more. That's why the Alter Rebbe says, for example, the spilling of a seed. Because through bringing this example, we could really explain and expand this to every sin to understand the opinions that say that you have to fast for every single time you do the sin. Because it's this general idea of this sin is a general effect that affects your entire existence. So it, you could expand it now to every other sin also. But at least to get the idea from a real place of something that affects your entire existence. Now, by the way, before the Rambam says that the more a person takes this out of his body, your life actually, you're losing life. The Rambam gives like kind of like an introduction to this and he says that he says that the sperm is the strength of your body and your life. Koyach haguf v'chayov. That means... This that you take, this, this seed, it affects the entire body in a way that it's the actual strength of the whole body. And that's what it means. He's, these are the words of the Ramam. That's shikhva zera hikoyach aguf. It's the strength of your body. It's not just in the essence of the body that it's the strength. In addition to that, it's the essence of the, the, this drop. In this drop, is everything. In other words, in this, like Dr. Rebbe explains in, in Tanya, that the entire existence of a human being all comes out, it extrapolates from this little drop. In other words, once you have this drop, then from there you could pull out a whole existence, a whole picture, a whole existence of a human being. And it's all hidden in this one drop. And more, the point of this drop 
of seed is connected to the essence of a person's soul. Like he brings down in a footnote from a mimer, from one of the other Rabbeim, from the Rebbe Rashab, that the effect of this drop is the essence of the soul that's concealed all into this drop. That's why it's possible that you could have that a child should be even greater and stronger than, a, than the parent. Because when the parent is giving the seed, in it has the most deepest strengths of the parent. So it's possible that the kid could extrapolate and grow much more because you're taking the essence of the whole thing. And since the whole essence is all about in this drop, which is connected with the point, with the drop, which is the essence of your whole soul, therefore it includes, it's all encompassing with all the strengths of every part of the body. And again, you could, you could look up more on the idea of how from the drop it, it extrapolates every detail of the body till the last thing that grows on a body is the nails, by the way, the Alter says in chapter 2. The nails of your finger, toes, and fingers are the last thing that gets created, but it all stems from that seed. Therefore, obviously, it's so important we pay attention to that seed and the preparation that goes into it and the holiness and so on. But that's, but that's in chapter 2. That's not what he's talking about here. Now, from here it's understood now regarding the sin of wasting of this seed. The severity of this has to do with all three categories. It has to do with the idea of this drip is the strength of the whole body. And therefore, it affects the entire body, like what we said before from the Rambam. It, you could lose your strength of your whole body. That happens through this sin, and therefore, it's a very, very severe sin. That's number one. Number two, the essence of this drop affects the essence of your limb, which through this sin affects all the other ones, meaning it affects all other sins. Because it doesn't just affect the imperfectionist of this particular limb, it actually affects the perfectionist and the completionist of all, of all the parts. From here we can now understand the example of the wasting of the sin that Dr. Rebbe brings in, the, in this chapter 3, he brings it down three times. He brings first the opinion that you have to fast according to the amount of times that you did the sin. And he adds, for example, the spilling of the seed. And for then he brings down when he says that the final opinion is to fast this, this amount of fast three times. He adds for, for that you, meaning you would have to fast three times 84, you'd have to fast 252 fasts for the wasting of a seed. And then when he says, Evi Bal Nefesh, a scrupulous practicing person should take upon themselves at least once in their life to do this whole cycle of fasts. And again, he says, for example, the spilling of the seed, 84 fasts. The reason why each time he says this, he mentions about this particular sin is his example, and each time he repeats it, is because through this sin, you're affecting all the limbs. You're becoming a non perfect person everywhere, not just in this area. You can't say, ah, oh, this area, I have a weakness. 
You have a weakness here, it's causing a weakness everywhere. And you have to fast it three times, it's because, again, because the defect is on your limbs of your body, the way they're included altogether, one into the other. And the reason is, that's what he's telling you, is at least once in your life you should do this. Maybe not full fast days, but two, two half days can be counted as one. And these three ideas is what he bring, is what he's explaining here. In these three places, in the three times, he brings the example of the sin of spilling one seed, because this is where it it's really illustrates it in this magnitude level of understanding it regarding this particular sin, because it's not really a particular; it's really general. And now we'll understand why. In the first time when Alter Rebbe brings it down, he says you have to fast the amount of times. And he doesn't just say 84 for every time you do it, but he actually specifies 10 or 20 or no matter how much you, many you do. Because to fasting many times, the amount of times you're, you're fixing all three categories of this, of the defect. Through fasting, the number of fast the first time, you're fixing the defect of this particular sin, this particular organ area of limb of your body. Through fasting, the second time, you're fixing the way the rest of all the other limbs are not completed now. They're all considered to be a defect because they don't have one big full picture. And then the third time you're fasting, it's that through the fasting, you're fixing the defect of all the limbs the way they are in connection with this one particular. And therefore the Alter Rebbe says, and he specifies three ways, 10 or 20 or no matter how many, because he's, he's comparing it to these three points. Now, now the Rebbe points to another, another detail of this, which is that it's explained in Hasidus. He brings this down from the Alter Rebbe Siddur. There's commentaries there in, in, in the, there's like a Siddur with all these Hasidus um, discourses in it. it. has much more deeper things about the davening. Anyway, so over there is where it says that about words and letters. That when you take a word, sorry, sorry, when you take a letter and you spell out the letter, that's called a letter the way it's written out full. Now, obviously, that... Every letter, when it comes to use a letter that you're using to speak to somebody else. Hold on a second. So, if you take for any letter you're trying to explain to somebody else, so you could bring an example always from the same letter that we just brought now, the letter Yud. That in your mind, or where the way you write it, you're right. You could just write the letter Yud. That's it. Sorry, in your mind, you you could say that when you write it, the letter Yud. But when you want to say it, when you want to say a, le- a, a letter, you're automatically going to say the full letter. So let's say the letter Yud. When you say the letter Yud, you're saying Yud Vav Dalad. If I'm thinking it, I could think just the one letter, right? Or if I'm writing it, I could write one letter. But when you say it, you're automatically saying the full letter of all the letters. This is very relevant when it comes to davening and things that you think about and, and, and so on. So when you're saying it, you're saying also the fullness of the letter. Nevertheless, even the fullness of the letter, 
In other words, the Vav and the Dalit is included in the Yud automatically. Now, even when it's all together into one letter, the Yud, since it's to express it to somebody, somebody else, it doesn't matter really what you're thinking. Automatically, you're also expressing the extra letters that are there in the full word. So if you say the letter Yud, even though in your mind you may be thinking only the letter Yud, but really, since Yud, also you hear the Vav and the Dalid, so it's in there. Therefore, it's understood from here that the three kind of ways, 10, 20, and when he says, and so too many more, are all connected with these three ideas. 10 is the number of Yud. Like the idea, what's a Yud? The little, the little thing. It's like the drip, that drop. That's connected with the rectification of this sin, what has to do with the brain. 20 is the way Yud, Vav, Dalit is the way it's fully spelt. That has to do with the limbs of your body, the way they're all included in the mind. Just like the letters Vav and Dalit is included in the Yud, therefore all your limbs are included into the brain. Or, or in, in meaning into that area where you affected the brain. And then when he says, and so too, no matter how many times, the amount of times that are more than 20 is the way you affected the entire existence of the body and you're bringing it down. And by the way, he pointed out in parentheses, that when you say the body, the body is like, is like a small world. In other words, it's all affected. Now we understand why he says that when it comes to fasting in the winter time, he brings only the number 10, he doesn't say 20 over there. Because over there, when it's talking about the winter fast, it's in a way that the fasting of 84 fasts is done one, only one time. Therefore, it's all that one, time is, one time fasting is only relevant to the number 10. Because that's only taking care of the essence of the sin itself and not talking about the way it affects the whole rest of the picture. So this is basically the summary of this, not just the summary, I'm saying this, let's summarize what this entire idea is. So let the, to, to summarize this whole sicha is like this, that the Rebbe's father explains why the Alter Rebbe picks this example by saying, only explaining the number of the example, the 10 or 20 times of doing it. That 10 is represented by Yud, and the 20 is represented by Yud Vav Dalid, which is also, the way Yud is spelt out, gives you 20. This, uh, this n- little note, again, because he was in exile, and he couldn't write in, in length. But if you think about it, it actually helps you to understand what the sin is that we're talking about here. Because this sin is a general sin, as the Rambam points out, that makes your entire body weaker. It's the life of a person. And therefore, your entire body is affected. Therefore, we need to use this example because it's relevant to everything. And this is the kind of sin that you affect the brain, but it's really affecting all the limbs that now everywhere is affected and everywhere is not in a complete picture. So with this, we conclude this.